got so many possible directions I can go in today. And we've got this memorial with all the scriptures that we've heard, and then we've got this memorial for St. Maximilian. So I'm probably going to focus a little bit on our first reading from Ezekiel. And uh, it's Ezekiel, as I, I said a few days ago, and we're going through Ezekiel right now in the lectionary. And I said there's a tradition within the Jewish tradition, in the, the Jewish mystical tradition, that basically says a person, a man should not read the book of Ezekiel unless they're at least 40 years old. Okay? Because it's a very deep, profound, and confusing book, and you need a certain kind of maturity to read it. It's In this passage, as we heard, it was like a rated R passage. Okay? So, and a lot of passages of the Bible are, but Ezekiel sticks out in that regards in a, in a kind of a special way. What we see here, I think, is a really great analogy. First of all, the, the prophet is, is giving an, um, he's giving a, a symbolic picture of the nation of Israel and the relationship of Israel to God. And it sort of mirrors the larger relationship of humanity to God and the idea of original sin and personal sin. So if you notice, Israel is portrayed uh, as this uh, baby that's just kind of like left on the ground. And it's not bad because it's not old enough to have done anything wrong, but it's just, there's something, you know, really, it needs help, okay? Definitely needs help. It needs cleaning up <laughs> and it needs help. And that's a good image of original sin. When we come into the world, we are lacking something uh, integral that God wanted for us according to our vocation. He called us to eternal life. And what's necessary for eternal life is the gift of grace. But when we're born into the world, we don't have that gift of grace. So we need some cleaning up. And that's what the sacrament of baptism does for us even as infants. It gives us that gift of grace, that that link or that bond between us and God Almighty and, and eternal life. And then what's interesting is in addition to getting washed up, she's given all of these clothes and these ornaments and all of this kind of, she's, all, she's beautified. And, she, and then it says that her, her beauty is perfect. It says her beauty is perfect. Oftentimes in the Bible and in our theological tradition, the word perfect is a good synonym for complete. Okay, complete. So there's nothing that's lacking. All right. So she had everything that she needed, and then she sinned personally and lost all of those good things. But then God's going to forgive her. So that's the story of Israel and God. It's the story of the of all humanity. Okay, uh, and it's the story of us individually as well. Um, but going back to this idea of her bur- her beauty being complete, this idea of completion, perfection. Okay, or completion is how I'm reading it. I'd just like to talk about that. I've been meditating for a few weeks now on the Beatitudes and and reading St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine, their interpretation of the Beatitudes. It's very, very beautiful. We have such a rich uh, tradition, theological tradition in our Catholic faith. And uh, what we see in the Beatitudes is they are the acts of those who have received everything that they need from God. Okay? They're perfect in the sense of complete. Okay? They're, they're acts that are inspired by the gift of the Holy Spirit and they flow forth from a person who has all the virtues. Okay? So there's seven virtues in our tradition. Three that have to do with God, faith, hope, and love. Four that have to do with our relationship with other human beings, prudence, justice, temperance, and courage or fortitude. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's seven of these gifts. Okay, 
And what's really remarkable is in our tradition, we take these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, which can be found in Isaiah chapter 11, and you line them up with the, the first seven Beatitudes, and there's an, there's an amazing interlocking pattern between the two. There's no way I would have ever been able to notice that in my own reading of the Bible. But that's what's beautiful, is that the Holy Spirit guides the church over the centuries, and various people start to read the Bible, and they notice these connections, and then we benefit from the things that they notice in the Bible. So there's this beautiful interlocking connection between the Beatitudes and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's why they say that the, the Beatitudes are the acts of people who have been perfected and completed by all the virtues and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we look at someone like St. Maximilian Kolbe today, what a remarkable figure, absolutely remarkable figure. Um, there, there is something, it's kind of interesting about this, this, this guy because he, he's actually a little bit of a rough character. I remember when I was thinking about entering into the priesthood, I was thinking about joining a religious order. So I, I actually spent some time with a, a Franciscan group. And this particular group of Franciscans had St. Maximilian as one of their patron saints. And so they spoke about him quite a bit. And actually their, the history of their order actually in some sense went back to him, tied back to him. So he was one of their patrons. So I heard them for the week that I spent with them, discerning with them. I heard a lot about him from them. And one of the things they said is that his canonization process was kind of held up because he made a lot of enemies. A lot of people hated his guts. And because he was a very, he was kind of a rough figure, uh, what he, what he did, he was a conventional Franciscan and he was known for uh, being one of the first Catholics to make use of the the printing press and the radio. Okay, so he was a guy that used the radio and media, and he was big. He would create these little tracks and spread them everywhere. So he was big on evangelizing, and he used the radio to that end. So that was one of the things that he was known for. He was assigned in Japan uh, for a while, and that's not an easy assignment. Japan's very tough. The gospel has not made a lot of room in Japan. So he had himself had to have a lot of fortitude. He had amazing um, obstacles placed before his life, and he was this kind of tough guy that pushed through all of them, and by doing that, sometimes he'd make a lot of people unhappy. So he was a bit of a rough character. He's a little bit like St. Jerome. and uh, But nonetheless, he was full of charity, uh, as we hear in our opening um, uh, prayer. And uh, that charity was demonstrated above all because, one, he was in Auschwitz, so now he, after spending time in Japan, he went back to Poland. The Nazis took over Poland. They arrested him as a troublemaker, and they sent him to Auschwitz. And in Auschwitz, uh, there was this kind of confrontation that took place between the guards and the prisoners. And the guard was about to kill this man. And this man said, oh, spare me. You know, I'm, I've got children. I'm a married man. I have a wife and children. And, and actually, St. Maximilian stepped forward and said, I'll die in his place. And so he went through this horrendous period of, of uh, starvation and torture. And, and then eventually he was killed with, a, uh, with an injection of some kind of poison. Really, really, really terrible, uh, horrible uh, martyrdom. But he was, uh, in his last days, uh, giving absolution to other uh, prisoners and encouraging them and singing hymns, and here he is starving to death, and he's, he's full of charity, even though he was this rough personality, because charity is deeper than just being nice. Charity is willing and working for the good of your neighbor, the eternal good of your neighbor. And that's what enabled St. Maximilian to despise all earthly things, to not really be intimidated or fear the Nazis, to fear his own death. 
he had his mind set on heaven because he was full of all the gifts of God. He was a perfect and complete uh, saint on this earth. He had all the Beatitudes demonstrated in his life. He was activated by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. And we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit of wisdom and understanding and fortitude and fear of the Lord and piety and, and I don't know if all of them, but anyways, that's, there's seven of them. And they were so active in his life. He was complete. And all of us, my brothers and sisters, when we're baptized, we're like that woman we see in Ezekiel. We're given so many gifts and we want to make use of those gifts. We have those three gifts that, that of virtues that have to do with God, of faith, hope, and love. We have those four gifts that, or those virtues that help us deal with other human beings of justice and prudence and, and fortitude and, and temperance or self-control. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit active in us, okay? And they're, they're in our hearts and they're waiting for the inspirations of God, okay, to, to come into us and to move us from outside. You see, the virtues, they, they move us and propel us from within our own natural powers. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit move us from without by divine inspiration. And there's nothing that God hasn't uh, given to us that we need. So we're perfect, we're complete. And uh, these, this is all a wonderful ornamentation and a beautifying that God has given to us so that we can really live up to that amazing vocation to be saints and to, to be citizens of heaven and to have all those beatitudes exemplified in our lives. Let's thank God today for that completeness, that perfection that he gives us through grace, through the virtues, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, let's pray and ask for the intercession of St. Uh, Maximilian that, uh, like him, we would live our lives on this earth with our minds focused on heaven and using everything that God has given to us to attain that, that perfect and final end.